0: that's the question we've been asking over the last few weeks what happens when grace happens for those of you who enjoy filling in the blanks on an outline this is a bonanza Sunday for you Uh, several blanks and an outline is available to you in your weekend handout so go ahead and have a pencil pen mascara stick or lipstick handy (laughs) with which you can write first though let's offer the prayer that we always offer Uh, when we enter into this conversation of grace. Dear God of all grace, please grant us the grace to receive your grace and grant us the grace to live it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: People often ask me how the king met the prostitute. I gladly tell the story. He loved to mingle with his subjects. Once a week he would dress as a common beggar and position himself in the market. Most of the townsfolk would pass him by. Others would mock him or jeer. Occasionally someone would toss a coin into his cup. That's how the king met her. The beautiful young harlot saw the beggar king and pitied him. She placed a gold coin in the beggar's hand, whispering, I hope this helps. I know what it is to go hungry From that moment the king was in love He called me into his throne room and breathlessly declared I have found her I have found the love of my life I've never heard the king speak in such a fashion As his advisor I often urged him to find a queen He was strikingly handsome A young man of means and influence Finding candidates was no challenge. Piquing his interest was. So I urged him to tell me about the girl. Her beauty rivals springtime. Her smile beckons the sun and the birds to sing. Black hair the color of night. Eyes of topaz. And a face shaped like a hewn jewel. As he spoke, I realized I knew this girl. Who didn't? What man in the kingdom hadn't noticed her on the path or considered paying her price? I knew this girl, so I told the king who she was. My words stunned him. He cried, this can't be true. You must be mistaken. I assured him I was not. Are you telling me she sells herself to men? Then put a stop to this. Do we not have a law against this behavior? We do. Enforce it. So we did. I sent my soldiers into the evening streets with authority to arrest and imprison. The diligence worked but only for a short time. The women served their sentences and returned promptly to the streets. They took their work into the shadows. As for the girl who had stolen the heart of the king... My men spotted her each evening The king was crestfallen He sent me to talk to her To disclose his feelings and convince her to abandon her trade After all, he asked, how can a harlot be a queen? I found her standing near the door of a tavern As I approached, she stepped away into the shadows And I followed Before I could speak, she held up her hand I've served my time. I've done nothing wrong tonight. I assured her I meant no harm, that I came from the king bearing not just his authority, but his affection. Her eyes widened. The king has taken notice of me. Yes. Does he know who I am, what I do? Yes, he does. But he sees something else in you. If you change, who knows, he may take you into his castle. She gave me a long look. A light from the tavern window cast her face in gold. I could see what the king saw. Beneath the blackened eyes, the painted face, I saw pure beauty. If I change, her eyes moistened, if I change, I cannot change. Don't you think I've tried? I, I can't. And she turned and left. I collected my thoughts and I went to tell the king. He was waiting for me at the castle entrance. He expected a better report. As I related her reply, his shoulders sagged. He shook his head and for a long time he did not speak. I waited as he paced the castle courtyard beneath the torches and among the guards. He paused for the longest time, deep in thought. The shadows hid his face, but I could imagine it, saddened with the reality that he must let her go. The king was a practical man. He would forget her and move on. But as he stepped toward me, I saw not sadness, but resolve. Ask her again. Tell her I will marry her as she is. She cannot change in order to become my queen. Then I will make her my queen so she can
0: change. God made the same choice. He accepted us so he could change us. Embedded in scripture is this astounding truth that he accepts us so he can change us he doesn't demand that we change before he accepts us remember in the story to the adulterous woman he he didn't say now go and sin no more and I won't condemn you but he said I don't condemn you now go and sin no more this is the principle of grace and that is that God changes our identity so that he can change our behavior. He doesn't tell us to change our behavior and then change our identity. But he redefines who we are. And this redefinition of who we are changes what we do. And hasn't he changed us? He changes us not from hussy to queen. But he changes us from empty handed to gifted. Gifted with the gift of salvation. He changes us from rebels to redeemed, redeemed by the blood of Christ. He changes us from unacceptable to accepted, to adopted, to acquitted. He changes us from headed nowhere To being members of the very family of God. Why he even calls us Christians. And places us in him. And even more places himself in us. So that we can confess freely. And live intimately. No secrets. No more games. The apostle Paul said this transformation is so complete. That you are complete. You are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power. What does the word complete mean? Unless it carries with it the meaning of mature, lacking in nothing, absolutely sufficient, established. This is a favorite word in Scripture. The Hebrew writer says, it is good that the heart be established. By grace, established. When grace happens, security happens. When grace happens, confidence happens. When grace happens, stability happens. Rock solid, concrete, sturdy as sequoias. Not because we are strong, but because God is. The truth of the matter is, some days we are not strong, are we? And some days we do not feel like candidates for the king's court. And some days we do not feel like we have the stability that God would expect. Hardly. Our lives have so many ups and downs. One day we're strong, the next day we're weak. One day we believe, the next day we have doubts. One day we're faithful, the next day we deny Him. One day we're happy, the next day we're discouraged. Our life has the ups and downs of the hill country of South Texas. Now, conventional wisdom would say that as God looks upon the horizon of our behavior, that he would draw a line somewhere in the middle. A line of acceptance. A line, based on, a line of acceptance based on performance. That as long as we perform at an acceptable level, we are accepted by God. But let our behavior dip below this certain line and we are rejected by God. This mindset would have us in and out of God's family several times, even a day, in and out based on our goodness or based on our badness. And this mindset would Make salvation really a matter of, of timing. We just hope we die on a good moment at an upbeat. We hope that we kick the bucket while we're above the line. Otherwise, he'll find us beneath the line and we have no hope. This creates an unstable person. This creates an insecure, fear-based person. A person wrapped not just in the anxieties of the world, but that anxiety overlapped then with the anxiety of a God who is difficult to please. Now this may be the God that you find in the temple of common sense. But friends, this is not the God you find described in the New Testament. God acknowledges that in a person's life there are going to be ups and downs ebbs and flows. Good days and bad days. Days of conviction, days of doubt, days of strength, days of weakness. The Bible acknowledges this. But God doesn't draw the line through the middle. God draws the line here at the bottom. His bottom line is that you will never fall below His acceptance. Your your badness will never go so deep into rebellion that he would reject you he places the line here and lets you live in the state of his assurance he establishes you he establishes you in his grace not on your goodness he urges us to trust not in our hold on him but in his hold on us does that make sense maybe you find this a bit difficult to believe I would imagine the disciples found it difficult to believe. And that's why I included in the story, the story of the picture of grace. And this is the apostles on Good Friday. On the night before his death, Jesus made this statement to his followers. And Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered but after I have been raised I will go before you to Galilee Peter answered and said to him even if all are made to stumble because of you I will never be made to stumble by this point how long had the disciples been with Jesus about three years about three years they've walked in his shadow A thousand nights they've shared the same campfire and slept near him. They they know his stride. They know the sound of his voice. They they know his snore. They know his breath. They they know him. They've been with him for three years. During this time they've witnessed countless miracles that we're not told about and significant miracles we are told about. They've seen bread multiplied. They, they've seen a leper purified. They, they, saw, they saw water become chablis. They they saw a picnic basket become a buffet. Some of them were there the day that Lazarus was raised from the dead. They, they helped unwrap the clothing from a was-dead Lazarus. Some of them were there the day the blind man could see, they they saw mud fall from his eyes. They've seen one miracle after another. They've been given front row, center court seats at the greatest display of heaven that the earth has ever seen. And now what are they going to do? Jesus says, you're going to walk away from me. You're going to deny me. You're going to stumble. And after making that announcement, Jesus gives them A promise of grace. But after I am raised from the dead, he says, I'll be waiting on you in Galilee. Knowing what you're going to do, I'm still going to stick with you. Your stumble will be great, but my grace will be greater. You will turn from me, but I will turn toward you. You will walk away, but I will walk in your direction. You may forget me, but I will never forget you. Your stumble will be great. But my grace will be greater. Peter hears this promise and it just goes right over his head. He doesn't think he needs it. He says, well, even if they stumble, I will not. Not one of his finer moments, is it? Arrogant. Even if they, self-sufficient, I will not. In whom does Peter place his trust? Very important question. In whom does Peter place his confidence? In Peter. In Peter. He places his confidence in himself. But we all know what happens. We know that Peter, Peter's out. In fact, Jesus, in Luke's gospel, says these words to Peter. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you have returned, I'm sorry, I skipped a phrase, didn't I? But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. The reason I skipped the phrase is because I was hurrying to my favorite word in that verse. When you have returned to me, not if you return to me. When you return to me. Look at the confidence that Jesus has that Peter, though he will deny Christ publicly, verbally, three times... On the night of the crucifixion of Christ, he is absolutely confident that Peter, though he will fall, he does not fall away. Why? Because of the strength of Christ. Satan will sift Peter. Satan will test Peter. Satan will challenge Peter. But Satan will not have Peter. Why? Because Peter is strong? No. Why? Because Jesus is strong. And because Jesus has prayed for Peter. Apparently once Jesus speaks on behalf of somebody, that somebody is off limits to the devil. This is the promise of grace. That Jesus, friends, will not let you go. Have you entrusted your soul to him? Then he can be trusted with what you have entrusted to him. Have you given your heart to him? Then he will keep it. He has assessed your life from beginning to end. He knows every day, every detail of your life. If he did not want you, he would not have taken you. But he has taken you. And what will secure you is not your grip on him, but his grip on you. This is the promise of grace. Will your faith wane? Absolutely. Will you have ups and downs in your convictions? Absolutely. Will you be strong one day and weaker the next? Of course you will. But will he release you on your weak days? Will he send you a pink slip on your bad days? Absolutely not. Why? Because like Peter, you have his prayers what Jesus did for Peter do you know this he does for you he prays for you in fact we have a copy of the prayer it's in John 17 Holy Father keep and care for them all those you have given me so that they will be united just as we are and I am praying not only for these disciples but for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. Raise your hand if that includes you. Christ is praying for you. Scripture says he's praying for you right now. He is at the right hand of God and he is also interceding for us. He is able to save completely because he always lives to intercede for them. There is a sense in which Christ is always speaking on your behalf. And will God hear the intercessory pleas of his son? I believe he will too. We are kept by Jesus. We are shielded by God's power and that is no small power. It is the power of a living and ever persistent Savior, Jesus Christ. You have his prayers. Even more, you have his pledge. You have his pledge. He says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me. Friends, when you placed your trust in Christ, he placed his hand on you. And his grip is secure. God is able to keep you from falling. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault. And with great joy. If he is able to keep you from falling, don't you think he would? You live in a world that is shaking. Literally. An earth that is trembling, it seems almost daily. Everything seems changing, but would you reach through these changing times and take hold to the unchanging hand of Christ? But, someone would say, mightn't somebody take advantage of this assurance? Mightn't somebody, knowing that God will forgive them and hold them if they fall, mightn't they then fall on purpose? Ah, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. And I have an answer. Yes, they might. But not for long. Not if grace is really happening to them. You see, what happens when grace happens is a desire for goodness increases. When grace happens, when God's grace happens, the result is not an excuse to do bad, but a desire to do good. I had a personal encounter with this that might help explain how this works. I was a teenager. In my teenage years, I've told most of you, were not years that I'm very proud of. Uh, I was a rebellious son to my parents. They had done much better than they deserved out of me. But my buddies and I made close acquaintances with Adolph Coors and the products of the Bush family out of St. Louis. We kind of built our lives around our weekend parties. And my dad knew what we were doing. We couldn't hide it. And I was pretty stubborn and self-centered, very self-centered. That's why I was so surprised when he, during my senior year of high school, one, after, one day he, he told me that he was going to leave me alone in the house for the weekend. Uh, he and mom were going somewhere, I don't remember where. But he said, I'm leaving you here in the house all by yourself. Whoa, I thought. We could, you know, have a place to have our party. I got excited. My immediate thought was, I have license to do something bad. I have a a place. And I began imagining the Friday night party and the Saturday night party. But as I began imagining what we would do, a funny thing happened to me. I began imagining my friends jumping up and down on my parents' couch Making a mess out of my dad's lazy boy recliner. Making a mess in my mom's kitchen. I imagined my buddy James driving his pickup up in my parents' front lawn like he was prone to do. I I just imagined us doing what we did and I thought, I don't want them to do that to my father's house. I knew how hard he'd worked. It wasn't a big house, but... He was a mechanic, a pipeliner. He'd worked real hard for a house. My mother was a full-time nurse. They were both putting in long days to to pay for the house. They entrusted me with their house. They trusted me. Their kindness. You know, I ended up not telling a single person about the free house, the available house. I, I didn't tell anybody. What happened to me? I think you could say grace happened to me. My father's kindness happened to me. My father's faithfulness happened to me. I began thinking how kind he was that knowing all I had done, he would still trust me with his treasure. I couldn't disrespect it that way. And it created within me a desire not to do bad, but a desire to do good. This is what happens, folks, when grace really happens. There's a verse in the book of Titus that says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Look at this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us. See, grace becomes a teacher, a professor. A mentor. It teaches us to say no to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. If you ever catch yourself thinking, I can do whatever I want because God will forgive me. Consider yourself corrected. Okay. Grace. Grace. does not give us an excuse to do whatever we want. Really, grace gives us a motivation to do what is right. Grace does not release us to become the people God doesn't want us to be. Quite the opposite. Grace motivates us to be the people he has already made us. After all, he he gave us the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation. He has redeemed us once and for all from our own sins, secured us by the blood of Christ. He's accepted us at his table, adopted us, acquitted us. Why? He has even injured us. He has turned us into Christians where he lives in us, having done all this, having stacked up one accomplishment after another, and then finally established us so we don't have to live in doubt on the days that our faith goes up and down. What a gift this is. Why? It's enough to make you want to behave like a queen. Speaking of which, maybe you're wondering whatever happened to the street walker who became a queen. Well, our storyteller has one final paragraph to add to the account. The king married the prostitute as he had planned. He
1: took her into the castle and treated her with love and respect. Just as the king had promised, she began to change. With each day, the lady of the street diminished and the lady of the court increased. No longer limited by her dark past, she dwelt in the love and the security of the king. She learned to laugh and sing. She learned to show others the same kindness the king bestowed on her. Guards, cooks, stable boys, housemaids, courtiers, no one saw her as she was before. Dressed in royal garments, she had taken on the heart of the king she now loved. One day, I dared to ask her if she ever thought of returning to her old life. How can I? She smiled in return.
0: For I am now a queen. The king made her a queen. So she could change. He's doing the same to you. He is right now. His grace is happening within you. Now on some days you'll dip. On some days you'll waver. On some days you'll do things you regret. You may step out of his will. But listen you'll never step out of his grace. You'll never step out of his love. He has established you. And he is working within you, turning you into the kind of person whom he will use forever and ever in the kingdom that is to come. Like Peter, uh, you may deny him. You may stumble. You may even feel the tears of your own shame and hear the rooster crow like Peter did. But like Peter, you'll find Jesus waiting for you in Galilee. For his grip on you is strong even when your grip on him is not. Let's pray together. Oh great God of grace, would you please grant us the grace to receive your grace, and then would you grant us the grace to live it. In Jesus' name, amen.